0: verse 12. It's a very interesting chapter. He's he's right before he does that amazing prayer in John 17, and he's starting to obviously talk about things like the Holy Spirit, you know, I'm going to the Father, and I will send my Holy Spirit, and he's obviously saying things and presenting things that is really stretching um, the guys around him, uh, his disciples, and he he knows that, and He says some things right before this, and then he he looks at them and says, "I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now." He he knows where they are. So I want to I want to start with that. We we know, whenever Jesus spoke, he only spoke what he heard the Father say. He got all of his information, Uh, and then in John six and verse sixty three. He, he talks about this. He says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. So here's, here's Jesus. He's, he's the word of God made flesh. But every time he spoke, his words became spirit. So just to start, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It just rocked me when I saw this. There's other scriptures that no man talks like this. And it's not just he's being super articulate or saying things that they haven't heard. It's when the Lord spoke, his words became spirit. And so there's a moment in the in the temple, he gets up and reads Isaiah 61, and he's saying, The, the you know, the, the presence of the Lord is upon me to anoint me, to and he's releasing. I mean, nobody's ever experienced this before. There's been 400 years of dry wood, of, of really no fresh contact from God. And then, so Jesus walks in, gets up, and pulls out the Isaiah scroll and reads that and releases his spirit into the room. And you're seeing this, this picture in, in, uh, in Luke. It says, they marveled at his grace-filled words. They, they were just astounded at what was happening in the room. And they all must have looked at each other like, what is going on here? And so I want to start with that picture. When Jesus spoke, his words became spirit. His spirit, the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. So we'll go to Romans 14. We'll, we'll look for some, for some other. The spirit of God, and a lot of, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk on this, uh, in the last few years romans 14 17 the kingdom of god is not meat or drink but righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit and so we can see that the domain of god the kingdom of god is in the holy spirit and he's released that he's gone to the ancient of days and he's released his holy spirit for all of us i'm sorry about my glasses but <laughs> i can't read without them and I don't want to have him on all the time. He releases his spirit. It contains the king's domain. And wherever there is the presence of the Lord, there's freedom, there's liberty. We've all experienced that in our lives in receiving him in faith and having that born-again experience. There's a sense of freedom. So Jesus says, my words to you are spirit." The Spirit gives life. Here he speaks, and he's saying, to the, he's saying, "I have so many words to say to you, but you cannot bear them now." There's a, he- there's a weightiness to, to his glory. And there's, there's, there's a tension, there's a tension where he wants he wants his heart is to raise us up in faith and in intimacy with him. But he knows there's more than we can ever imagine about him, about, about his, his presence. And he knows that we have limitations. And he, there's always a tension between him working with our hearts and raising us up in faith and, 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 and the tension with, with just who we are at that moment. And he's doing that with his disciples at this moment. He knows they're at a point where they're at that uncomfortable stress point and he's trying to release and bring them up as much as he can. And there's so many instances in scripture where he's doing that in the boat in the storm and when he's sending them out and he's trying to get them to go out. And and this is what I really want to talk about today. He wants them to go out and explore and discover. And so this is the key thing about what I want to show in scripture about all of these heroes of the faith that we read about. And some of them are very quick, like the Syrophoenician woman and Jesus is kind of being like, Well, I, I came for the Jews only, and she won't take no for an answer. And he finally turns around and she rolls out, Yeah, but even the even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. And he finally he finally just turns around and is just amazed at her faith. And he honors it. He honors it. Yeah. The, 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 the go- the gospel wasn't to happen yet; it was a Jews-only operation. But on all of these incidences that I'm going to talk about, people they see who the Lord is; they they sense possibility; they know He's good, and they just come to Him in faith, and He honors that. So I want to talk about this tension in Scripture about I know that there, there's the, there's timing that this issue of time, but I want I don't want to talk about that because. There's, there's another part of what's on the Lord's heart and that's discovery and I want to show all of these places where time didn't matter it didn't matter that that faith transcends time and I want I want to release that I want to show this possibility we, we we kind of go through all of this learning about uh, the Lord and the Bible and we go through whatever we go through as t- uh, from teachers and things that we've heard and we begin to get a little crusty at the top as far as you know, this, this, and that, that, and, and, uh, and we can get kind of hardened, and I want to show that there's very obvious scripture that's trying to get you to explore your faith, and there's things that happen in the Bible where the Lord didn't take very, didn't always take people aside and say, this is why it happened, and this was my heart. It was only released through discovery, through people moving in faith, and believing enough to actually putting themselves at a point of uncomfortableness and the Lord shows up and he ministers. And and that's what I want to release a sense of possibility. And it's tied, again, I wanna underline that again, it's tied to what we talked about last week. The cry of your hearts is a big deal to God. And he hears and and Jesse talked last week about how that can move and change situations. I mean, Hezekiah, just having the Lord, prepare your, put your things in order, you're going to die. And it just crushes him, and he cries out, and he humbles himself, and it's like, okay. (laughs) Okay, um, 15 more years. That kind of of thing in scripture, we, we can go by those things very easily and not really get enough of what the implication of that kind of thing is. So when Jesse came in and said that last week on his talk, I knew immediately what I was going to talk about because I just think it's so important. It's so life-giving. It gives hope and it gives excitement and it releases the majesty of exactly what his place in our life is really towards, towards him. But what does that mean? When when Jesus says all things, what does that mean? When we read in Ephesians 1-3 that all heavenly blessings he's given to us, not that he's going to give us, but that he's give they're available to us. How do we know what those all things are? How do we know what to pray for and, and, and t- until we actually can discern and know about these things? And so I want to talk about that. So, all right, <laughs> getting excited. Jesus is saying to them, I have so many things in my heart, but you can't handle the weight of what, I, what would be created over you uh, right now but it's his heart to do that. Um, so let's go to the next line, John sixteen thirteen. When he, the spirit of truth is come, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth, not just some, everything. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you what is to come. And I am not want to talk about that. He, he'll declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He will glorify me. How? He will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. All things, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, the Holy Spirit takes of mine and turns around and declares it to you. How does he do that? <laughs> he does it through speech. Every time he speaks to you through the word, every time the a word or in prayer or somebody giving you a word, he's transferring your inheritance. He's transferring resources through that Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit contains the kingdom, the joy and the peace and the righteousness. He's trying to enlighten our hearts. He's trying to get us to perceive and see all of the things that make up all things. And when we pray and we see that and we cry out, things change and things matter. And it's not about God. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. End of story. But the problem is, is that in his sovereignty, he's wired us into, he's wired us into the equation. He's wired us into the equation. It's why he can say that it's not, he doesn't want anyone to perish. In 2 Peter 3, it's talking about in is verse 9, if you're, if you're taking notes. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but obviously people are perishing. And the determining factor that Jesse mentioned last week is our receiving and participating in that. It doesn't happen automatically, but his heart is that all, that the downpour should come on everyone. That's his heart. But he's wired us into the equation, and he wants to release himself he could just do it for us like this. He could just do everything for us, but his heart is to release through us, through his Holy Spirit. And when we, we have a, a default towards unbelief, when we hear his voice, we actually cut ourselves off. <laughs> okay, we actually cut ourselves off from the Lord transferring what he's given to us in his fullness. He sees each of us as, as in, in fullness. He knows where we are in time, but he, he, sees, he sees us as, as he created, created us to be. We may have, we may have had a horrible time uh, uh, in a relationship. We may have suffered divorce and all kinds of different things, but he can flip that and turn that around and make people an overcomer who have authority over restoring families. And that was his heart and his intent the whole time. His whole time, he takes all things and he works them for good. He knows where you are, but there's a tension between where you are and what he wants to release you into. And the Holy Spirit is in that transference when he speaks to you, when you read the word, when, he's, when he touches your heart, he's trying to bring you into that fullness. And that's his heart. And that's the heart of prophecy. The heart of prophecy is he's sharing his heart with you, how he sees you. He's not, he's not too concerned about all this other stuff. He knows who he made you to be. And he's trying to, his Holy Spirit is trying to touch you. When we look at Mary, let's look at Mary. She goes through that incredible experience when she, she says, be it, as, be it so as you say, Lord, when she becomes pregnant. She goes through all of that travail. She goes through 30 years of knowing who her son is. And they go to the wedding, and they run out of wine, and she looks at him, and she just sees who he is, and she just puts him on the spot. Like, I know who you are. I know this is something that you can do. And I think it's such a beautiful picture that the Lord initiates his ministry by honoring the faith of his mother. And she, she just says... You know, so he tells her, it's not my time. It's not my time. He's hearing from the Father. I only, do, I only do what I see the Father do and say what he says. And he says that to her, and she just smiles and tells the people, do what he says. And he stands up, and uh, I, I can't teach this, but I, I actually feel he recognizes the Father working on her heart. I mean, when, when Peter says you're the, you're the son of the living God, you're the Christ, he says the Father revealed that to you. So here's Mary putting her son on the spot. I know who you are. She, she, he stands up and he honors her faith. It, we don't know what the, time, what the time was in his mind for him being released uh, as the miracle worker, uh, but she steps into that and sh- he honors her faith. And so what I want to talk about is 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 seeing. We've we've heard this statement of, of of Israel. We've all we've all been taught this, that God hardened their hearts so they wouldn't see. And basically the idea is if they see what I have in fullness for them, even though they're in rebellion, if they see and and repent and call on it, then I'm obligated to give that to them. And so he blinds them so that they can't see. And so there's an implication here that I really want to attach to last week. And the implication is is in, in that. And I understand it's about Israel and in their rejection that the nations are grafted in. But the blindness, the implication is, is that if you can see something, if you can see it, he hasn't blinded you. And if he hasn't blinded you, and this is the key point, if he hasn't blinded like Mary you can act in faith and pull it into your day, which is exactly what happened with Mary. The Syrophoenician woman, she's an an unclean woman. This is in Matthew 8, Matthew 8, 5, I believe, right around in that area. And she just, she knows who he is. She knows there's something available, that he's good. And, th- and she senses the possibility and she just, if I can just touch his garment, that, that I can be healed. And she does. And she is. The centurion, he didn't, he didn't, it was, he was like, I don't want you to come to my house. I'm not worthy. I'm a man who understands authority and I, 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 I see who you are. I see you're under authority. Just say and, I, and I, I, I believe. And Jesus is blown away. It's, the Bible says he marveled. Okay, in my book, marveled means he was impressed. <laughs> God is impressed with faith. It's what makes him the happiest when people walk in faith. And he says, done. And then he turns to people and says, I, I, haven't, even, I haven't run into anybody that understands faith like this man. Anywhere in Israel. So what's going on there? What's going on? And I want to talk about the biggest example. So I want to talk about David. What was it that David did where God the Father says, I am going to name my son the son of David? Like, that's crazy good. Was it Goliath? Could have been. But here's what I believe was at the heart of David that was after the father's heart. So we've got this picture of David. He's a young, kind of ready-faced, uh, youngest of the family. He's out on the hills. He's a shepherd. He's a musician. He's out playing. I, can, I, I just have pictures of him out. He's shepherding a lot of time. He begins to kind of notice the, Lord, the, the, the Lord's touching his heart. He, he's out in nature. He sees the majesty of creation. He begins to play. And as he plays and begins to sing, probably to creation, about creation to God, who knows? But he, he experiences that he begins to learn about God the more he plays and worships, the more he learns. And he develops this kind of almost like a, you know, he's killing the lion and the bear, and he's just making these discoveries where no one's really aware of it. And he's got this kind of warrior... Kind of royal. He's like a kid who puts on a cape and jumps off fences. He's making these discoveries, and the Lord's and God's in touch with him. And so later on, after Goliath, uh, I want to talk about this. He he. The ark has been stolen. This is this this is the picture. The Philistines have stolen the ark, and there is a tabernacle in Shiloh, and Saul has neglected this, and David gets together with Gad and Nathan, his prophets, and David was a prophet in Acts 2. It actually says David was a prophet who looked forward and saw. And these guys come up with an idea of bringing the presence of God from the Ark of the Covenant, not back to, they're, they're under the law, that should go back to the, the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. They're under the law one day a year. The high priest goes in into the presence of, the, of God. That's not what David does. David wants to bring the ark right into Jerusalem. Something is touching his heart where he, he sees, he sees not, not the law and, and bulls and goats and sacrifice and obedience, he sees that, but he also sees that God is available in a very personal way, in, in a worshiping way, the way that he learned when no one was looking. Just a, abandoned worship. He's, he's playing music, he's singing, he's clapping. It, it's all parts of him. It's total expression towards God. And he senses that that pleases the Lord. And he goes, and the first time he tries it, uh, He doesn't do so well, and two of the handlers who aren't Levitical priests, uh, they mishandle the ark, and they fall dead, and people are scared, and David's scared too, but it doesn't change him. He parks the the ark at a farm, and he kind of comes back and regroups. And my point is, is that he does go, and he brings the ark into Jerusalem, and Scripture says he puts it under a tent without measure. So so what is going on here because we can read through this and go that's amazing that's really incredible he loved David but there's something there that we need to see and it's what I've been talking about this is a thousand years before Jesus and it isn't until later that Jeremiah even writes about the new covenant and brings that up and so David sees God he sees God Amongst the people, he sees Emmanuel. He, he, he senses the heart of God, and he, a thousand years out of season, he, takes, he sees what becomes the New Covenant Church, 24-hour worship that God lives, lives inside of us, is available to our hearts. We can be, have communion with God. He senses and sees all of that, and he reaches across that much time and out of season and against the law, he marches the ark right into Jerusalem. And many of the psalms were written in the presence of the ark in Jerusalem. 24-hour worship for decades. And there's symbols and there's just... It, I mean, can you, you've really got to think about this. The, the, the expression of worship that he created and brought when the presence of God was brought into Jerusalem coming out of all of that law and precision and things have got to be like this. And David brings the ark all the way from the coast and brings it into Jerusalem amidst this crazy, noisy, messy worship. And God honors it. God is thrilled. And it didn't change what happened in God's time. Jesus came when Jesus came. But David sensed what was available through faith, and he acted on it, and God honored it. And it's not a question of sovereignty. It's a question of exalting faith in the eyes of the Father. That's, that's the lesson. That's the lesson. And so I just wanted to, I just wanted to come up and just and, and re- and release that. Look at this. In, in lieu of of the obvious scripture last week of God hears our hearts and prayer changes things. And so does faith. So does faith. When we hear words that all things are possible in Christ. So I want to bring up one of those verses. It's 1 Corinthians 3, 22. It's a paragraph at the very end of the chapter. and And it's something that. We can all just read and go, "Oh, that's amazing, and go right it's it's a huge mountain, and we just kind of like drive around it so let's look what look at what he says here um, I'm using the n a s p so there it's a chapter where paul is talking about where they've had kind of a personality thing about who believes who. And um, so he's finishing this discussion about that. He says, so then let no one boast in men. It's not about men. Then he says, for all things belong to you. And then he talks a little bit about what does that mean? Whether it's Paul or Apollos, or Peter, Cephas, Any, whether it's anyone who God has anointed and touched to represent the kingdom, they're all, they all belong to us. They're, they're our family, they're, they're our gift. When we honor them, we, we receive what, what they brought. But then he goes even farther, and this is the amazing part. All these things belong to you, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. They belong to us now, when when this was written. He doesn't say, not given a timeline, all these things belong to you. All things belong to you, things present or things to come. So how do you inherit now what isn't yet? (laughs) How do you inherit now? And so when I look at that story about David, there's something that shows up when people just explore their faith. When they go out and in China, the miracles happen while evangelism is going on. When people are going to the villages and praying, that's when the healing happens. That's when the power shows up. When, when David in faith brought the Ark in, it's amazing presence of God for 40 years. And I really think you can see that faith, it's not anchored in time. Faith is not anchored in time. It comes out of eternity and it comes towards us in time. And I don't wanna get too heavy, but there, there's, there's something that faith transcends time. And so in, in scripture, there's these incidences that they only found through discovery Nobody ever talked about a shadow healing people. Jesus never talked about that. As far as we know, it's not in Scripture. And there's no obvious, what about anointing on cloth? (laughs) And they discover this. They're just in their faith, and they discover that the clothing that Paul's wearing when when he's talking and releasing the Spirit, that that cloth can be brought to another city. And they're learning things through their act, through their exploring, of, through their promptings that they're receiving from the Lord. So, so what's the point? My point is this. We've all heard of this picture of an iceberg where we see the top and we don't know what's under the surface. And my heart is that we're all waiting f- to do the commands of the Lord, and that's right. And there's obedience and commands, and that's right. And I'm not, I'm not challenging that, absolutely and the Bible and the Word of God is our guide. However, when we begin to explore our faith and actually go into situations that seem impossible or extremely difficult, and we exercise our faith and we pray and we believe, things, sh- things show up. The Lord shows up, things begin to change. He will step into that situation but it's at that point of risk and maybe uncomfortableness for us to actually go into that spot and call down the Lord. And so I, I, I want to suggest the possibility, and, and I am not advocating recklessness or foolishness or doing stupid things. And, and I think that's the benefit of fellowship. We all need people around us that can say, hey, what are you doing? And, and protect us. That's what the whole point of of a fellowship is is to come and to contribute, contribute and have a benefit of people around us surrounding us in encouragement and love. And so, I w- my prayer is to release is to release some of that possibility, that if we'll just explore our faith, how do how do we do that? I I can talk about big things while people uh, might be out in the audience saying, well, how do I? how do I get my kid off drugs? Or how do I, do, how do I renew spark in my marriage and real problems? You know. And so we can, be, we can almost be kind of talking by each other about some of these possibilities. But if the Lord in our communion with him, he comes down, we have a relationship, he fills us and he gives us these promptings of our hearts. And it can be through scripture or through prayer, or it can be in fellowship or it can be in worship and then we go out from that and we go out and there's just some things that are only going to happen through discovery in in the act of faith he's not going to he's not going to just underline everything and do it automatically for you he wants it to do wants, he wants to take ground of the enemy through us he wants to work through us it's all him but we have to understand what's possible and we have to unhinge our minds This is the renewing of our mind. When he says all things are possible in me, (laughs) really? Do we really believe that? What what does that feel like and look like when we actually step into that? And so when he he sends the 12 out and then he sends the 70 out and he says, go explore. I give you power over the enemy. Go, go explore. And they're like, Okay, and they come back and they're over. He's, I, I, I challenge you to find a different place in the New Testament where Jesus is more thrilled than that moment when they come back. He's thrilled. He's trying to get them to go out and walk in faith and 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 go and do that. In the, in the storm on the boat, he says, well, well, I know you came and got me, but it's almost like I wanted you to do it. I wanted you in my name to... You know, and he gets up and he does it, and there's been a lot of teachings, great, great teachings on that. But you can see these examples in Scripture where he's trying to get people to explore. Explore, I'm here, I'm with you. You know who I am, you know I'm good. And go out and find these situations that are <laughs> difficult in people's lives and, and call me into it. I have problems and I need, I need you to come and do that and pray for me in faith and call that in. And I need to walk in that and I need to explore. And as I do that, things change. And as I pray and as I cry out, things change. And as I go out in fullness and I'm in the presence of other people, my cry is that they see God. They see the presence of God. They see something that they know is possible. And even though it doesn't look like it can be, and, and, and we're not we're not held captive by appearances. we are not held captive and as more of that as we feed on more of that, our faith floor goes higher and higher and higher and we begin to discern the presence of God and we begin to see where he's moving and we begin to see the fullness on each individual no matter who they are. it could be a homeless person on the street out here and we see that begin to see them as God sees them and we begin to honor people not in a universal like Kind of a universal everything all roads lead to Rome but we honor them because we can actually see what god has intended for them what his fullness looks like in their life so that's my heart and that's my prayer really that's my message today is i just want i wanted the holy want the holy spirit to come and generate that sense of wonder that all things are possible in christ and that he wants us he's, he's working and nudging us to go out and and just take a small step at first, whatever it takes, but explore your faith. Go out and pray for someone. If you see somebody in need, d- do something. Take a step, and he'll honor that, and he'll work with you. And then things collectively as a church, as a body, we can come in and we can share what the Lord's doing, and we can get the wheel rolling as far as the manifest presence of God through every one of our lives. So that's that's my prayer. That's my hope. That's all I want to see, and for some of you, it, o- it will only take one or two. It, it doesn't have to; it just has to start. And I really feel the prompting of the of the Lord. That's His heart. That's that's His desire. Amen. Yeah. Okay, let's pray. <laughs> mm. Lord, I just I just want to release faith over everyone in this room we would receive it. And not not just everyday faith. Just even the gift of faith, Lord. Just the highest faith possible in you. That you would come and we would open our hearts and you would prompt our hearts to see. To see. And just fill us, Lord, with that hope. and that we would receive, we could see that, understand that if we can see that, even if we think it's in the future, people can say, that's for the millennium. Okay, maybe it is, but can you see it? Can you see it? And if you see it, would you stand in faith and say, Lord, I'm so grateful for everything you've done in my life, but if you're showing me this, I step out in faith and I grab it because I want to see it in my day. I want to see it in my day. And so I just, I just pray that over all of us. And I pray that you would release that over everyone that you know. Just an open-ended, it's not limited by what we understand. It's more than we can imagine or desire. But we know he's good. We know he's for us. So I just release today I release faith. Faith changes things. And he's included us and given us blank checks. Cry out to me, what is your heart? What is your heart? What is your desire? Multiply our faith, Lord. Let us be able to begin to perceive and see what the all things are. In Jesus' name.